Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Die Hard Minute, where every day, Monday through Friday, Movies by Minute hosts talk about one minute of the greatest, bloodiest, dumb, waiteriest movie of the 1988 John McTiernan-directed movie, Die Hard. I'm Jonathan Carlyle. And I'm Steve Lasta. We're from the Princess Bride Minute. Hi, Steve. Or at least we used to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Hi, Jonathan. Hope this is a happy Tuesday for everybody. Best Tuesday ever. The weather is nice. Actually, the weather is nice. Actually, the this weather is... is not nice where I am. <laughs> I was looking at the movie. We were talking about Christmas, and I, there's no... I don't see any snow. There's... Well, it's Los Angeles. Yeah. It doesn't snow in Los Angeles. So the weather's nice. In fact, I, I can't imagine it's cold enough for it to be for them to be wearing sweaters in Los Angeles. Now, you said last minute that Tony was wearing a sweater, not a sweatshirt. I'm not arguing that, but he is definitely wearing sweatpants. He's definitely wearing sweatpants, right? Is he? Um... I think let what me, they let do. Me, let me take a close look. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's wearing sweatpants. Men should never wear sweatpants in public. He certainly is. If you go to minute second fourteen, excuse me. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And there, there are very narrow leg sweatpants too. So like there's formal sweatpants. <laughs> formal. <laughs> that was a thing in the eighties. They had formal sweatpants. You wore them with your members only jackets. It's quite <laughs> a nice sweater. Not anymore. Well, Sean McLean ruined it. That jerk. Yeah, he's definitely wearing sweatpants. Ugh. You should not be allowed to go any more than a quarter mile from your house wearing sweatpants. Unless you're running or, you know, doing something like that? Or are you just not? Not at all? Well, you shouldn't run in sweatpants. That's one thing. Um, <laughs> is that a fashion 80s. sense? That's or very, that... No, that's very 80s in itself, though. Oh, okay. No, nobody works out in sweatpants anymore. I mean, I'm sure somebody does. But now people work out in. I, mean, I don't know. How, I don't know how much you, how much working out you, 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 you partake in or see. Um, but now everybody wears dry fit clothing and you know tights and things like that. I'm sure there's a a, a workout where people wear sweatpants, but I, I think they're few and far between. Or everyone just wears workout clothes all the time, so it looks like everybody's working out. Well, there's a term for that. They call it athleisure. Yoga pants for um, everyone. Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a whole that's a whole market segment. I mean, like that's what that's that's the thing. That's like the holy grail of um of of like clothing of the clothing world right now is like clothing that crosses over and all of that. Things like Lululemon and all of that. Um and I don't does everybody does every do you see a lot of Lululemon in, in your part of the world, your neck of the woods? Um I wouldn't recognize it off the street, but I've heard that name a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah, they make these these yoga pants that like you know like you can't half half of New York City is wearing Lululemon yoga pants at any given time now. Half of female, half of female New York City that is. Am I wearing Lululemon right now? Are you are you a female in New York City? No. Well, you may be wearing Lululemon. I'm starting to think you might be. And I'm also not half of a female in New York City, so I guess I'm safe. If you want to wear Lululemon for the rest of the week, you knock yourselves out yourself out. Oh, okay. Um, I'll see what I can. Do. I mean, that's that's fine. <laughs> There's no judgment here. I think you'd look better than this guy does in his sweatpants. He's <laughs> kind of doing the. Uh, I guess if he's dead, can he be blamed for doing the 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 man's play? I think a man that wears sweatpants to work does it all the time anyway. So <laughs> living or dead, he would have been. He would have been. What is what is the phrase? Um, I said I said man mansplay, but I'm not sure if that's the manspread. Maybe some people call it manspreading. Manspreading, yeah. But there's also mansplaining, which is when a guy stops to explain something to a woman that she already knows. Oh, uh, so maybe I went halfway. I was explaining what manspreading is. Yeah, and you you said like mansplaining, and that's a little little too close for to mansplaining. 
Yeah, if anybody tells you you're mansplaining, you just need to stop doing whatever you're doing because they're not happy with you. <laughs> Explain um, to me what that means. <laughs> Explain to me, please. <laughs> yeah, so we're in... Did I do the whole we're in minute 42 thing yet? I don't think uh, I did. Yeah, minute 42. Um, so minute 42 starts with Hans letting us know that's what's really going on. It ends with John taking a ride on top of an elevator. I'm kind of jealous of him. I've always wanted to do this. Have you ever been on an elevator? On top? on top of one? Yeah. I can't imagine I have. Have you? I have. But it wasn't as Yeah, you have a cool job. That's right. For some reason, there was a smoke detector up in an elevator shaft, and I had to go test that. I don't do that anymore, but it was fun. It was only like one floor up. I wasn't in charge of it, so that was a little bit scary. But the, the maintenance guy was putting the elevator up and down for me. Were so you... Cool. Did you... Well, explain this to me. Did you did you did you ride? Did the elevator move when you were on top of it? Yep. Oh my god, I'd be terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Did I was definitely. I was definitely crouching down more than I needed to as it was going up. Did you grip the cable like John McClane? There wasn't. There wasn't near as much stuff on top of it too. Like I said, it the elevator itself only went like I think three floors total, and I was only going from you know the third floor up to like kind of the elevator just had to go like halfway up to the next thing that wasn't really there to get to the top. Gotcha. Well, I'm, I'm a little jealous of you, but it doesn't seem like the most exciting elevator, unfortunately. No, this would be this would be something else to be on top of. That would be quite the ride. I don't know that I'd want to do it, actually. Once, once I got there, if it was as you know open as it looks, I'd probably be hanging on for dear life. I think I would be, I would be terrified of that. I think I would like to do it, but I would also like to go into space, and I don't think I would do that. Um, uh, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's, it's, that's sort of a tough one. If somebody offers you the opportunity to go into space, would you would you not would you not take it? I would certainly think about it. But man, that's uh, I don't know, just that isolation, just that you're like that. Your imagination gets going. Just that potential of just it's kind of claustrophobic. I guess you're you're in whatever you're in. That's it. You know, if you get outside of that, or what's outside comes in, or you know whatever, then that's it. It sounds like you watched Alien recently. I, I would, I would be more scared of like the motion sickness going up, and for that matter, than floating. That that's what would scare me. I think the motion, like getting sick. I kind of was a very impressionable age too when uh you know the Challenger went up. So sure, I guess that would be on my mind more than anything. Yeah, I was um I was in high school. Um, or I was, actually I was in I apologize I was in junior high school. Um. It's funny at the t- at, for a long time I thought of that as sort of like the seminal news event of my life, and now when you compare it to things like nine eleven, it's like no, not really. <laughs> you know, like there, was, there used to be like you'd always hear like everybody knew where they were when John Kennedy got shot, and I felt like that was one of those things. Everybody knew where they were, but you know now I don't feel like that's nearly as poignant as it as it once seemed. Oh boy, the eighties were a good place to grow up. I wish I'd appreciated it more. <laughs> <laughs> I re- I don't remember where I was with the Challenger, but I do remember where I was when I heard Michael Jackson died. Well, you that's, must have been there young when the Challenger blew up. Yeah, I I don't remember if we were watching it in school or if we just you know came home and it was all over the news. I remember seeing the video over and over, but oh sure, yeah, um, yeah, we were not watching it in school. By that point, the, sp- the space program was no longer something you you wanted to, you watched that people were watching. It just wasn't like it wasn't on the it wasn't nearly as big a deal. I remember hearing about it in Woodshop, which let's just say Woodshop might have been my sixth period class and like that, out of eight. And whatever I heard wasn't an entire story. 
And then in the next period, like the teacher, Karen, Karen Landau sat us down. And, um, the only reason I remember Karen Landau is, I shouldn't say this, but I probably should be careful how I say this, but let's remember, the only reason I remember this, this teacher and call her by her first name is because Karen Landau dressed very, very revealingly for high, for a junior high school teacher, um, and told some questionable stories. Um, but, um, <laughs> but she sat us down and she, um, and she told us what had happened and there had been someone that she knew that was in the program. So it had been something we'd like the teacher in space program that Krista McAuliffe had been in. Like a friend of hers had been one of the finalists and like that. So we talked about it before in that class. So it was kind of a big deal to her. Yeah. Uh, it was a big deal to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. You know, space shuttles, spaceships blew up. That's one, that's one of the top five reasons not to go in spaceships. Yes. Um, <laughs> but um, back here, we're in an elevator, which is much more controllable. Um, <laughs> before he, John takes off on his little ride, um, Fritz and um, Hans have a conversation, and John does this thing where he's taking ca- taking notes on his arms with a sharpie, and marking how many guy how many bad guys there are. And I think that's really awesome. I thought that was when I finally watched this movie for the first time. I thought that was brilliant. Yep. C- kind of to the point where I was like, "How come I haven't seen that replayed in other movies or something?" You know, people doing that. That was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it, it shows that you're dealing with. I, I guess you know. I guess part of the the thing with John McClane is that. He sort of works with what he's got. There's no fancy, you know, he's not this fancy ex-seal or, you know, he doesn't have this, this crazy background. He's just a cop. Just a just an NYPD guy. Underneath his watch, he's got five hash marks, and then he's got a single, and then he's got Hans underlined, and then he's he's writing uh, Carl's name. So what are, the, what are all the hash marks? Is that actual people that he's encountered at this point? Yeah. He's okay. counting goons. But has he actually I mean, encountered six of them? Or is he counting just... Well, he can't see outside of that little window, so he doesn't know how many goons are in the room. Well, I think he's seen at least two goons on the top floor. Well, I guess he's seen... On the top floor, he's seen Hans, and he's seen um, Carl, right? As, um, to- What's his name? Tony? Tony. Yeah, Tony. Carl's, Carl's just the name that they're saying now, but he's not actually yeah. seeing Carl right now. Carl's Tony's brother, right? Right. Yeah. Which does that is, is Tony a decidedly German name that Carl and Tony would be brothers? I don't know. Um, Tony seems more Italian to me, I guess. Uh, maybe he was West German. There was good relations between Italy and yeah. West Germany. <laughs> um, this other thing, actually, actually, funny. You know, I I I, I didn't think about this point, but at the, at the point this movie is coming out, there is a Germany is ba- is a bad guy still. At least half of Germany is. Yeah. Um, there's still the Berlin Wall is still up. Okay, I'm going to admit how bad I am at history, but when did that come down? Uh, November 1989. Okay, okay, so time-wise... I'm, I'm going to admit how good I am at history. <laughs> I, I distinctly remember watching it in my parents' bedroom. I think it's November... I'm going to go with a November 11th, 1989. I'm going to look because now I'm curious. So in 1988, that was a viable thing. Berlin Wall? Or East well, Germany? Just, just the... Yeah, the whole East Germany thing was... That was a believable thing for the American audience to go in 1988 and watch a movie about bad guys. Oh yeah, I mean, um, that's a that's a tricky one for me because as a as a as a Jewish American, there's even more predisposition to sort of think of Germans as bad guys. You know, I'm not trying to say that I walk around thinking all Germans are bad guys now. I don't, but sure. like you know, there's there's some history there. But um, yeah, so the Berlin Wall came down in, in November of 1989. Do you know what day this movie, when this movie came out exactly? Was it May 88? July 12th, 1988. Yeah, so 
to put that, so that's about a year and a half before the Berlin Wall falls. And, and that happened, that happened really sudden. It, it sort of happened really suddenly. Um, it was, it was really, it was, it was really amazing. But yeah, I mean, you would, Germans were bad guys. By, by comparison, comparison's sake, um, what's the proper term? Is, Islamic people were barely on the radar at this point. They'd barely, they were just sort of, well, that's not true, but they were barely on my radar. We'd had we'd have we'd have just had Libya, the Libyan war would have just happened in a, a couple of years back in eighty seven I think. 86. Yeah, I think that's my first. Uh, you know, Back to the Future when the Doc Brown stole all that stuff from the Libyans. Yeah, <laughs> that was. I think that was probably my first introduction to like you know Middle Eastern what's going on over there stuff. Yeah, one of my oldest memories is actually the um, the hostages being released from Iran the day that um, President Reagan took office. Um, I didn't know there were the day before. I didn't know there were hostages in Iran. So, um, but I remember them showing that in school and that's, that's definitely one of my oldest, um, oldest news memories. Um, but so yeah, these are, these are credible, you know, these Germans, they're, they're credible. Absolutely. In fact, things had gotten so much better with the Russians under Gorbachev at this point that I think you could make some sort of argument that, that East Germany was a bigger problem than, than Russia. Not really, because they didn't have. I think Russia controlled the nu- their new nu- whatever nuclear arsenal they had. But in terms of a of a border war erupting, you know, that was certainly a possibility. You know, you know, there were still Germans being shot trying to cross the border to West Germany. I'm sorry, I just because I had looked up the release date for the movie. I was looking through the the synopsis of the movie, and it says that John McClane was vid- visiting his estranged wife and two daughters. Yeah, I think someone. I think someone messed up there, doesn't it? John Junior and Lucy, and a boy and a girl. Um, there's definitely a Lucy. Where were you reading the synopsis at? At IMDb. Um, it just showed up on Google, so I'm not. I, I'm guessing it's the IMDb. Yeah, actually, it says also according to Wikipedia, he's got a Lucy and a John Jack McLean. I would assume it's something of a co-star in later movies. No. Um, Lucy, because she's uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead plays Lucy. The only thing that I remember from the other movies that I've seen. And who is Mary Elizabeth Winstead exactly? Uh, she plays. Well, actually, my f- first time seeing her was in Sky High. It's a Disney movie about like superhero high school. I'm sure. Um, she was also in Ten Cloverfield Lane, which I thought was excellent, and she was in Scott Pilgrim. I liked Scott Pilgrim. Was that Ten Cloverfield Lane? Was the second Cloverfield movie? Oh, and she was the yes. one in Death Proof. Yeah, she's fantastic. Um, another Quentin Tarantino reference this week. She was in Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof movie, and she's beautiful. Um, what a neat career she's had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a, she, she was a, also. I think she was in uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter or something like that, which I don't think people talk about much anymore. Um, but you know, our former guest of the show Jerry O'Brien wrote a book that is very similar to that. Um, oh yeah. Um, in name, I'm trying to remember what it, what it was. I'll, I'll tell you in a second. I'll tell you tomorrow when we talk about um, when we talk about my upcoming project. So I was excited for some reason about this minute with the elevators, and so I just started looking up random stuff about elevators. Besides the fact that I'd you know ridden on top of one, but um, so the building that they're actually in is the Fox Plaza in Century City, California, and I found a, some info somewhere that said that this building has fifteen gearless elevators and one hydraulic elevator. The hydraulic is uh, a slower moving one. I'm guessing more for like your loading dock type elevator, and the 15 gearless ones are the the faster 
faster versions. The geared elevators are a little bit slower, uh, but they take less power, it looks like. But, you know, when you're moving people, you want it to be fast, especially people with money. So, so you give them <laughs> the faster ones. The fast ones are about 1,500 feet per minute, and the hydraulic elevator is 200 feet per minute. So that's quite a bit slower. I imagine the hydraulic one can also carry quite a bit more. I would imagine so. Yeah. I, di- I didn't get the uh, the load limit, but that's all depends on how they're built anyway. Oh. I did not know you were nearly this much this expert in elevators. Um, it's impressive. I'm not really. I've, I've been around them a lot, um, doing fire alarm stuff. Uh, we've worked with, like, Otis Elevator quite a bit, but not really, not to the point where I actually know what they do. I just know that we have to do what they tell us to do, or else they won't pass the elevator and nobody likes it. Where were we in this in this adventure? Um, let's see. So he's keeping track of names and numbers. He's uh, Carl and Tony are brothers. So the elevators that we see, Carl is coming down the elevator because Hans told uh, Fritz to tell him to come down. And John is riding the elevator up that has Tony in it. So I'm not saying that doesn't make sense, but I'm just curious what. So, okay. So again, Carl is coming down at the same time. The reason he's coming down is so they can tell him about Tony, but they're sending Tony's body up to get it out of there, I guess. Is there nobody else in the elevator? I guess not. Maybe Fritz is in the elevator? Maybe. Maybe they're setting the elevator up so that he can see the body. Maybe he's not coming down. Yeah, but he's but the, the other elevator. Yeah, they're, they're both they, moving. They kind of set it up as kind of a dumbwaiter situation, which is why I mentioned that in the intro, but it really shouldn't be. It's not how this elevator is working. That's just two different elevators crisscrossing. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of modern elevators are computer controlled. Yes, that's true. Maybe that elevator went up automatically when the other one came down in order to keep them spread out through the building the way they're supposed to be. Maybe. Just a guess. I have no idea. <laughs> I do not have. I do not have a um, anything that's going to win a no prize here. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I like that there's a second in this minute where John stares up at the elevator and or the beams on top of him and it says there's 19143 mm-hmm. is scrawled there. I don't know why that is, um, but I googled 19143 and 19143 I believe is a Philadelphia zip code and I'm pretty sure that Bruce Willis is from Philadelphia. Hmm. No, actually, Bruce Willis is apparently from Idar Alberstein, Germany. So that's not right. So the one guy, if he's the one guy from Germany in this movie, probably. So I was, I just thought they, they stare up at it. I'm not sure why they stare up at it. There is, I just did a quick uh, Google search for 19143 elevator. And there is a Philadelphia elevator company. So I wonder if, ah. if that has anything to do with it. I'm going to go with that. So maybe if we can uh, piece together, you know, the Philadelphia elevator companies and, you know, how many of them there are, then we'll make some government people nervous as we keep looking into this. We don't want to make the government nervous. No. Twitchy government. At least somebody's listening to the podcast, though. (laughs) We knew you were listening when you came and knocked down our doors. Yeah. (laughs) After our elevator inquisition. Honey, we got another listener. (laughs) Um... I just, I just thought it was odd that he stares up at that. It's like a lingering gl- glance, and I couldn't think of a reason why. Um, I listen to these clips as I keep watching them, but sometimes as I'm reviewing them, I, I mute it, and it, you know, so I'm just watching the video over and over, um, so I kind of forget about some of the things they say. But I, I think Hans says to take the body up because he says 
there's a lot of noise that starts happening, but he says, I don't want the hostages to think. He, I don't think he finishes what he's saying, and or there's too much noise at that point, so I don't, I'm not sure. According to the according to the script that I have, um, Han says, Franco, you and Fritz take the body upstairs and out of sight. So there are two people in that elevator, supposedly. Okay. Franco and Fritz. Franco. So I guess Franco's the guy that I don't know who he is. Well, there was that one guy behind the uh, the screamy lady. That's so true. So maybe that was Franco. All right. Um, I don't want the hostages to think too much, he says. Oh, think and, too much. Okay. Yeah. And then yeah, that's, that's about all you hear. That's about all they say about him. It's just them describing John McClane in the elevator after that. On the elevator. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, he takes his... Uh... Actually, he takes quite a quite a ride. I don't know how many floors that is. I, I was thinking about keeping track of his travel, um, but the camera kind of cuts around enough that you don't really get it. You don't really know. Um, you can try to make some guesses, but there's nothing definitive, at least for this minute, for sure, how far up he's going. I think if you went deep enough into like the Die Hard Wikia site, did you did you spend any time on that? Um, just briefly. I think if you went deeply into that, and maybe or maybe some site that focused on the um the fox building you know you'd probably figure it out um because you should be able to figure out what floor that office is on and then mm-hmm. what floor the top is i think where they're holding everybody i think that's the 30th floor and how tall is the building i don't know well he goes about that far <laughs> i'm sure we'll find out at yes. some point yes perhaps a few perhaps our, one of our, our future guests will will have that information if we don't do you want to um, do you want to talk about what you're doing, what you're up to? Yeah, so we finished the Princess Bride Minute, which you can find at theprincessbridemenute.com. Um, and a longtime friend of mine, David Johnson, and I are going to move on and do uh, UHF 62nd, but it's spelled UHF 62ND. And we are working on that. We're not pushing too hard, but we are we've got a lot of ideas, and it's fun to work on. So hopefully it's fun to listen to when it comes out. Do you have any thoughts on what your estimated launch date would be? You're you're not going to be held to it, I promise. I'm going to be conservative and say 2018. You know, ah, so sometime between sometime between January 1st and December 31st, 2018. Excellent. This will be available, I guess, in November. I wonder if our I wonder if our if our next episodes will drop before before UHF 60 60 second drops. Oh, I'm sure it will. Yeah, I feel like um, I feel like my co-hosts are more, maybe a bit more of a rush than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I like conceptualizing it and, and doing things like theme songs and logos and that is okay. Um, I'm a little set- worried somebody's going to jump the gun and start it before we do. Like somebody else will try to do the same thing before we do it. Uh, we're things have broken into that world, so I'm I'm with at least with my project, I'm definitely like don't we're just going to do it how we want to do it. If somebody jumps the gun, then we're just going to keep going ahead and do our thing. Sure. And this is the Die Hard Minute. So you can find more stuff about this at DieHardMinute.com, Twitter at DieHardMinute, uh, Facebook Die Hard with a podcast listener's limo, MoviesByMinutes.com. We've already mentioned lots of shows. There's lots, lots more than that. Like I don't even know. We may be approaching 100 shows. That's all I got. All right then. Um, do we do we do our do we do a traditional goodbye, or we can do a thing new yet? I don't know. I'm so used to that. I don't know what we, I don't know what else to do. We just stand here and look at an elevator like John McClane. All right, we're just gonna stand here and look at the elevator. 
staring at the twin elevators. And see. Tell me you got that. I got it, I got it. Hit your heart on Channel 5. 